They're trying to prove it won't fall out And all the men are goggles Dip long in Irish stout The whole place is pickled The people are pickles for sure And no one knows that they've done more here Than they ever would do in a job This could be Rotterdam Or anywhere, Liverpool or Rome Cause Rotterdam is anywhere Anywhere alone Anywhere Welcome to Test East End, and this is episode 138, and it's me, Gary P, and of course, the Prof, Carl Riley. Good morning. We're on Zoom again, in case you're wondering. We are we are Zooming all over the shop, and it is still sponsored by the ever-wonderful Ocean Electrical, who are full of fantastic treasures and electrical treats. Um, they will look after you, whatever you need, so give them a shout, and give us a shout, um, and we will let them know. So... We have a late review of this Sligo game a couple of weeks ago and we'll look ahead to Derry on Friday where we could potentially seal the league titles. It's hard, hard to believe it's actually going to happen eventually. Uh, depending on the Bowls result on Dock, this is up for debate as well. So we'll we'll talk about that soon. And then we have an interview with 80s legend Jack McDonough. Yeah, and uh, there won't be a show last week. Just a heads up. Yeah, oh, Marty McFly here. <laughs> I love how so, you... Always get the blame though, Mr. Gogglepox. Gogglepox, I I actually love that name. It's great. It just epitomizes everything I am. A pox. You and your ocean electrical shirts and no pants on. Never any pants on. <laughs> yeah, do you know what? You could you could nearly see what I had for breakfast last week. Um, <laughs> I've been silenced though. My attempt to give off some sort of positive message on the show has been silenced. I wasn't allowed where we. Uh, solidarity with the Debenhams workers t-shirts I mean up the nurses and midwives t-shirts have been silenced as a potentially too political so uh, we don't like that censorship a, it's bullshit yeah I'll get them in somehow I'll get them in again somehow hopefully get Barney's asterisk tattoo in soon as well and here here's a direct quote from Gary about Jedward I used to think they were dopes <laughs> they're, ah, they're alright kids now they've grown up they've done a bit They've gone through some life changes. They're not too bad. And they can sing a tune as well, so they're all right in my book. Yeah, little did everyone know the real reason there was no show last week, Gar. And that was we were too busy harvesting tomatoes from Crimea. Crimea, yes. And they only take nine months to harvest. They are the, the tomatoist tomatoes of all tomatoes. Yeah. You can't get any more bows, can you? No. Like... How do you even get Crimean tomatoes? <laughs> isn't it technically, isn't the fact that they're grown over there the reason they're, like, isn't that the whole thing? You know, they're grown in the soil over there and it's different. It's not in a plant pot in some fucking shit hole in Fisbury. I don't even know where to start. Yeah. So, uh, Finn Harps prof, it was moved and it was expected. And not now, considering last year we went up, and it was the Tifty's debut bus, if you remember. He went up and Mitzi scored a late winner. <laughs> what is so it about the moved. Harps games that are always... We're always missing players for internationals. Harps away. Oh, they, they, on a Monday, though. All the time. 
Well, in this case, best, it was a Friday, wasn't it? But it was moved to a Tuesday. One of the best away games ever. And they fucking put it every every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, oh, by the way, I have to tell you this. Apparently, the podcast has become too safe. Too safe? How's that now? Yeah, as in, we're, I tell you, no, I think we're towing the line and we're we're not the, the young radical rebels that we used to be. And this is from Davey, Enough is Enough. Southstand. <laughs> uh, he, he's quite the rebel himself. Yeah, yeah. He wouldn't stand up and be counting when he was in Johnny Blues. He, he bottled at that time, didn't he? <laughs> so Davey can fuck off. So that's, we've been called safe and we've been called company men. That was many a year ago now. But. <laughs> yeah. So we'll talk about the Finn game anyway, and it's been moved to Tuesday. Uh, 20th of October and a quarter to six kickoff because the Champions League games that night so unfortunately listen we're not going to get any games this season so it's uh, it, it, I don't think it really matters at this stage anymore um, we had the reaction to Danny Nord episode Prof is very very popular yeah I love the self-deprecating humour uh, kind of in the in the path flame mold I love that sort of thing and he's brutally honest wasn't he yeah, it was brilliant. I loved it. And that that was the really refreshing thing about it. I mean, uh, what did he call Owen Heary a snake? And then he yeah. called Stephen B a snake. And he called him Owen Heary's blue-eyed boy. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So big shout out to Danny Norton. Thanks and thank him again for, for coming on. Because it's the type of thing we want, isn't it? A little bit of bite, a little bit of needle. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's rare, like, you, you hear someone talk about a player or a manager like that your eyes kind of light up and you're like wow yeah my octaves went up about three or four your octaves I was like a little girl shrieking speaking of the octaves Gary yes the next part oh yeah oh yeah it was the one year anniversary oh my god that went well didn't it so it was the one year anniversary of our Usher Ryan, Ryan Usher prank call and uh, happy anniversary to Mr. Usher and do you know how many listens or watches or views or whatever? It's views, actually. It's on Facebook. Do you know how many views I had when I checked up on it? The original? Uh, the original video. Yeah, no. How many? 25,000. Wow. That's a lot, isn't it? That's nuts. I couldn't believe it. Now, that's obviously over a year, but still, <laughs> cracking up listening back to it because it was just off the, off the top of the head and he bought a hook, line and singer. <laughs> Yeah. Reel him in with a free bar. Yeah. RT Studios here in Stilorgan <laughs> Road. <laughs> oh, we have I'll get him again. Watch, I'll get him again. He won't know anything about it. <laughs> but we'll move on. And anyway, there was a great interview with Phil and Warren on the Rovers website about audio described commentary for the visually impaired, and much of it was transcribed from our podcast feature with Phelan and it was well received. So great uh, great Rovers man, Phelan and he can he can sing an L tune, he can hold a tune as well. Still haven't listened to his music, have you? Ah, yeah, check him out. Catalpa, the Rebs, plays the Rebs. Good hour. Yeah, Fedham's done three three of those games now, I think. Whereas it was Barry Kavanagh and Garrett Cook who were commentators against Sligo, so they're they're kind of spreading around the duties there. And like you say, not just anyone can do it, you've got to be trained. It's going to be a lot more detailed. It'd be a lot more intricate than your average commentary. So it's uh, I'd love to actually give it a shot myself to listen to it because, um, like you said, it's a lot more detailed. 
Jack Bourne, Prof. Jack Bourne. He won the Close Player of the Month Award for September, which was a hotly contested one, in my opinion. I think possibly Pico. Hard done by Aaron Green, maybe. I think no, Aaron Green was my player of the month. Believe it or not. Yeah, that would have been very close. I think I would have gone for Pico myself. But uh, yeah, Green are definitely in with the show as well. He was definitely up there for me. I think I, I think he just pipped it because of his just his attitude in general and he just he really did have a fantastic bunt, so it was unfortunate. But listen, it's it's not a it's not a Mickey measuring contest. They all they all deserved it. So Jack brought home the, the trophy. So um they shortlisted for the league award as well. Who else did you get a full list of them? No, I don't have the full list in front of me there. And I, I was checking the SWAI Twitter, and I don't think they still haven't announced the winner yet. It's quite late in the month now, isn't it? Yeah, it is, isn't it? Considering that the league is pretty... Oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I want to say it yet. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to say the league is over. Although there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, people who would be quite as cautious as me and yourself, and they'd be there saying that they think it's over as well, but it's not done. It's not done yet. Not for you're, me. You're being too safe, Gary. <laughs> Goggle box. Oh, God. Goggle box. So, Colin Hawkins, uh, former Rovers defender. I always thought he was excellent, to be honest. And B team manager, he was very complimentary towards our academy on LOA Weekly. And it's, it's, great to, it's great to hear somebody who wouldn't necessarily be Rovers orientated. Like, I mean, he's up at Moctis now, as far as I know. And I didn't get a chance to listen to that interview, but he's up at Moctis last time I checked. He was the director of football up there. And he wouldn't have any major love for Rovers, but he knows what we're doing. And it takes a lot for anyone outside of Rovers to admit that we're actually onto a good thing as regards to our academy because it's gathering a lot of hatred. He said that we weren't ready for a B team in 2014. And he's probably right. At the time, we weren't weren't quite, quite ready for it, but... So you didn't hear that episode of LOA Weekly because you, no, you would you would have loved a bit about the uh, Twardex cat because the two of them were in bits laughing about it. They actually spoke about that. Oh, at length. Oh my god! They just I can't believe that Johnny was just breaking up because I think uh, Dan McDonald said something about him having affection towards the cat, and they just kept going on about it. Yeah. Oh man, I'm gonna check it out. I'm gonna go back and check it out. Cause yeah, I need you to hear this. I actually didn't think it was serious at the time. And I was actually told by a league world play, he was like, yeah, he asked for time off the training and matches because his cat died. I don't think he's even in the country. Can you bring your cat to play? I don't think he brought his cat from wherever he was over here. So, um, no, yeah. no, no, I think he, they said something about the players loving the cat as well. So he he was over there, yeah. I'm trying to think of a bad cat joke here, but I can't, I, I can't think of it. It's too early in the morning. Just move on. <laughs> so, uh, onto some more sad news. It's uh, we rest in peace to Jim Conroy Sr., a true, true hoop in every sense of the word. There's no words that can really describe him, and he's produced more hoops than I care to, to count, and I'll ever, any, a gang of us could produce. So, Bill Tormey wrote the following. Jim Conroy, RIP, a fixture at Rovers for most of my life. Gentlemen, great family who are a tremendous reflection on him. A bad year. Jim and Big Deck, never forgotten by the core people. My condolences to all the family. So, lovely words from Bill Tormley. And, uh, yeah, a true hoop. And you'd be familiar with the Tormley family as well, Prof. Or the Conroy family, sorry. 
Yeah, I'm good friends with his son Jim, so that that's that's a tough year for Jim. He's lost his dad and Big Deck, who's who's a close friend of his. So, and as Barney said, you kind of said there yourself, Jim Senior. He produced more hoops than most. It really is the case, yeah. If um, I could, if, if my son would be anywhere anywhere near as interested in Rovers as any of these guys, would be, I'd be, I'd be a success story for me. So rest in peace and condolences to the Conroy family. So we move on and we beat Sligo 4 0 and tell it no changes from the Dundalk game. Prof, we uh, it's been so long ago now, struggling to think. That's all I was about to say. This game feels like it was two months ago. <laughs> Absolutely, can't, I can't think of a thing. But we, uh, well, have, we'll start. For, for the game here, has some notes. Uh, Paddy Power were back, so had, yeah. had an advertisement draped across the seats. More shit, it was that down, but you know, just some ad. Uh, Foggy Jew was was blaring in the stadium beforehand when the players were warming up, and uh, RT you weren't happy about it because they were I trying like, to do I interviews. Like yeah, I like the Foggy Jew. I think it's a good song. Can I? Am I? Am I right in saying that Ozzy Nay asked who Ben Bulbin was? Yeah, I actually had a note here saying what's a what's a <laughs> Ben Bulbin, and this is so long ago. I didn't understand what that note meant. I was like, why yeah. is that written there? <laughs> I was nearly sure he said, who's Ben Bulbin? I was cracking up. Oh, that's what the Paddy Power thing said, was it? Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, the Ben Bulbin thing. I think it was like Tala is better than, or the square is better than Ben Bulbin. And, yeah. And <laughs> Aussie Day was like, who the hell is Ben Bulbin? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brilliant. What a legend. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, so the so also, Power, also on the stand, we had... Uh, the German flag, I think you were asking about that one stage and I saw some lads in the group asking about it. Apparently it's really old. It belongs to John Doyle. And funny enough, the only reason I know this is because I happened to meet him for the first time and interview him for the, the documentary. And he said, I heard you're asking about the German flag, that's mine. Ah, oh, excellent. Tell me he gave you a rundown. Well, he said that he's, he's a big fan of the German national team since the early 70s. And he's a member of Bayern Munich and a member of the national team's fan club. This is a dub, by the way. Strange one, isn't it? Yeah. Each to their own, I suppose. So big shout out to John and his German flag. It's still a great nick as well, by the way. For uh, I mean, look at me at fucking 32. I'm in bits. That's that's 20 years old. At least he has a flag. You can't even find yours. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's someone's bed sheet in Kushlan at this stage. So uh, we'll move on to the goals really quickly. Well, not even really quickly. We'll move straight on to Finner. And um, the ball popped up. He kind of popped it up for himself for a volley and it was on the turn. And when I saw this, I thought to myself, this is getting buried. Top left, top right. It's going <laughs> to get smashed. Then it just crawled in under the keeper's legs. And in, it barely even made it over the line. So um, Maybe as, the worst goal he's ever scored. Yeah, as the famous JC, Jason Maloney said, it was a, wasn't was a great audition for McGinty. No. So Finner kicks it all off, 1-0, 30 minutes, and he hadn't scored nearly a year. And you've been cracking out the Finner stats. You got his 54th goal right, and then I think we had an appearance one as well. No, 50, 51st appearance in Europe, wasn't it? Um, Well, he's a record appearance maker in Europe, and... He made his forty-first appearance overall, so that that tied with Ollie Cattle. There we go. That's what it was. Yeah, you've been banging out the finish, that's lady. 
So he hadn't scored in nearly a year. And he, obviously he's been playing right wing back. But, um, year and a half. Ex- year and a half. And he's been excellent up and, and doing a job for us, really. And um, nobody would have had him as forced goal scorer. <laughs> oh, here we go. Yeah, the prof is going to big himself up again. For fuck's sake. So we're going to have to rewind now and listen to what he said. <laughs> start predictions. Right, go on, prof. Yeah. And do you know? I'm gonna think outside the box here. I'm gonna think Ronan Finn to get his first goal in nearly a year and a half. Oh yes, the Finner man is back. The ball just dropped to him outside the box, and he'll bury it. Bury top corner. His fifty-first goal for Rover. Ah, oh, is he even going? He just can't stop at the stats. <laughs> so that is it for starting levels and predictions. But we have some minor injury. So there's the prof getting it right uh, for what once every year. <laughs> <laughs> I know. If you were to actually listen to my score prediction, I'd say I'd be right once a year. <laughs> we're both terrible. Although, in fairness, like I always say, when you have a hunch, you put the mortgage on it. You had it on Pats there two weeks ago. I, so I called it, except I made it sound like it was going to be a good long-range strike that flew in the corner. <laughs> not, not the goalkeeping calamity that it actually was. But yeah, so much for McGinty replacing Big Al when he retires. Might have to rethink that one. I'm nearly sure he was at fault for the bots goal as well, but we'll talk about the same I was, uh, I was telling everybody around me who would listen. I was like, did you hear the podcast? I predicted it. <laughs> I predicted Finner. I was like, did you hear? And then your man would be like, uh, I'm just an RTE technician. I don't know <laughs> why you're telling me about this. Did you hear the podcast they're, though? They're yeah. like, that's the great, that's crazy podcast guy. He's back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, Joey... Oh, he said he told Finner in the dressing room afterwards that uh, that I called it. But uh, he had a he asked me a question. He had a good stack question. He said, "Has Finner scored in every League of Ireland season he's played in?" Ah, uh, he has to have. There's no way he went the season without scoring one. Well, he did, but in fairness to him, it was it was he was young, so he debuted in 2005 for UCD, and his first goal was actually a two-all draw against Rovers. That was shortly before that relegation playoff. So he's okay. played 16 seasons and he scored in all but two. He failed oh, to find the well, net in 2006 and 2007. So two seasons is for us pretty much his debut seasons. He couldn't find the net. Yeah, but ever since, scored every year. And when you asked him about it, did he say, uh, yeah, um, yeah, round, yeah. Uh, I have, have something funny about that later, I'll tell you. But uh, so can we move on to this Bork goal please because this this was absolutely stunning from Jack Bourne the build up play was great Um, he he, do you know what I loved about this do you know what the best thing about this goal was the absolute despair and horror of the centre half jumping knowing that it's literally an inch too high for him (laughs) But and you can there's nothing he can do because he's jumped his highest. Jack has timed it to perfection, weight on it perfect, and it just falls to Borky, who took a heavy enough touch, but he had the space to slot a home in the bottom corner. You thought fantastic. it was a heavy touch, heavy-ish. Yeah, I thought it was a little bit heavy because if the defender had been anywhere near marking him, he w- he wouldn't have got it. It seemed now thinking back on it now, it seemed like it was slightly heavy. It got a good foot or two away from him, but he did very Possibly, well. Possibly, but. I mean, a lesser player would have made, could have made an absolute buzz about of that, and yeah. then like the pass is forgotten about, and no one ever sees it, and it doesn't go viral. 
very true. Yeah, maybe we're spoiled when when we were talking like this because we know we've got such quality in there. But you know what absolutely- I, I kept thinking as I watched the back, we used to try this ball over and over again when we were playing uh, pro evolution soccer. It just. I just like we, <laughs> I I just I really wanted to get that exact ball in where I'd bend it around and you'd just sneak past the centre back. And Jack Bur- Jack Burns doing for real here. Didn't we have a corner routine worked out to perfection? Oh yeah. That's that's the Jack Burns Pico corner post. routine. Yeah, the Jack Bone Pico combo then. Well like you you're saying you love the, the despair of the centre back. What I love is look how quickly Berkey and Green are moved when Jack hits this ball. And I've actually noticed this for a few weeks now. Berkey and Jack have been building up their understanding. He's been timing runs. They've been shouting back at each other. They've been working on this for a while. Yeah. And Jack can just spot a pass as well. And no better man to be pumping the ball into than than, uh, Graham Bork, who was a prolific finisher. And it was just fantastic stuff. It really was. was. 29 passes leading up to it as well leading up to Jack's pass so 30 overall we have a lot of those don't we yeah so fantastic stuff from the two lads and we're going to move on to the football that we played just before half time and it was absolutely outrageous oh it was stunning outrageous peppering the goal I was, I was watching it back in RT player it was, about, it was about a six minute spell here and it was the football was outstanding it was like Immediately after the Berkey goal, within a blink of an eye, we were in their box with one pass. Greener teased up McAniff with the layoff, and I think that was saved or was wide. But And then seconds after that, we were in again with a killer pass, another greener layoff. This must be frightening for our opponents how quick this was. I think they're just left spinning, aren't they? Their heads are left spinning and they're looking around thinking, like, what, what do we do? They just can't do They don't know how to deal with it. It's just horrific. And, you know, as you're, when you're playing football and you grow up and you're, you're, you're on a team, sometimes you play against teams that are just absolutely beyond brilliant and you're just chasing shadows. There's nothing worse than chasing shadows of football when you're playing in the game because it's so disheartening. And once you let in one or two goals, the avalanche is going to start to begin because these teams don't let up. They stick to the game plan. They keep going. They keep playing. They believe in what they're playing in. And this team are just absolutely stunning. I, like the, head- I like the headline in the program this week. Uh, uh, Graham Burke interview. He's like, there's a ruthlessness about this squad. Ruthless is perfect way to describe it. Uh, those two chances I mentioned there, that was within the space of 60 seconds. And then... Immediately after that, Joey intercepts a chance for Junior. So Junior is nearly in on goal here at one stage. But Joey wins it back. But he doesn't just play the safe option. He clips it forward to Finner, who gives it back to Jack Byrne. Jack plays it forward to McAniff, and suddenly we're breaking in the center mm-hmm. circle. So we've gone from defending a good chance for Sligo to us breaking a pace in a matter of moments. And again, Greener is just teeing people up. Berkey drags it wide this time. So we're just cutting them open at will, as Nusty said in the commentary. I'd love, to, I'd love to get a clip of that two minutes on its own on Twitter and just be like, this is why we won the league. That two minutes right there. Surely it exists. 
Cast right, right after that again, yeah. Jack slides one through for a greener one on one. That's saved by McGinty, so it was just incredible. Yeah, he actually did start playing well McGinty then, but cast your mind back to <clears throat> excuse me, you cast your mind back to the likes of the Fenland days and the Crawley days, and the one thing that me and you used to despair about in the East End was how fucking shite we were at breaking. Oh. We were terrible. Do you remember how bad we were, in particular on the Nutsy? We couldn't break. We didn't we know how break. to do it. We had no idea. We'd break down a defence, or we'd break down an attack, and then we'd be like, me and you would be thinking, oh, for fuck's sake, we have to attack now, and we have no idea how to do it. It got to the point of the Nutsy where you were just hoping to win a corner. Just want to win a thinking, corner, because that's their best chance of scoring. Jeez, and we're only it's actually being discussed on our WhatsApp group probably now, and we're discussing over who was worse. I I think Nutsy's football was worse than Crawley Ball. I think it was, yeah. It's the worst of a it's like the best of a bad lot, isn't it? Yeah, because it came after Crawley Ball. Jeez, um, was so. The high hopes were the worst thing about that rain as well because, you know, Nutsi the fan, big resume behind them, one leagues, came in and signed the Brennans. Oh, the less said about that, the better. Yep. So half time anyway, and then we came out into the second half. Once again, <laughs> I'm not sure, I can't remember if that happened up until 58, because nearly two weeks ago, but Jack Bourne, and Jack is becoming more prolific with his left foot now as well. And this was a lovely bit of play from Farouge. Again, Farouge got the pass before the assist. And then Borky into Jack, if I'm not mistaken. And then Jack yeah, was, on his left. It was well Stroke. worked from those two, yeah. Stroked on by Jack Bourne on the left-hand side. So um, really, really happy with that. And Like we said, we think he's changed his game slightly. He's a little bit more of a... He likes to penetrate a little bit more through the centre. And it's really shown how, how good we are at the minute. He actually became the league's top goal scorer with that one on eight. How many people would have predicted that at the time? He's not at all. Not yeah. at all. Holbin has since overtaken him, though. He got a brace against Cork the other night. Doesn't matter. He, his, his goals don't count. It's not real league. Half a league. Half a league. <laughs> oh, God. So, Jack Bourne knocking the goals home again. And then... Um, it, was, it, was just a, it was just a case of damage limitation for Sligo after that, wasn't it? They just want to keep the score down. They weren't bad though. Like they, they, they had some good moments, and it was a similar with Waterford. Like they're a decent team, and they they were coming out and having to go at us at one nil, maybe maybe not so that much at two or three nil, but yeah. But just like Waterford, they got tonked. Tonked, yeah. definitely a word. It's a great word, isn't it? And uh, yeah, we'll move on to Dylan Watts as well. We've uh, Reese Marshall, who um, still haven't seen much of him, to be honest, but he had a fantastic run on the right-hand side of the pitch and he totally outpaced their defender and unselfishly squared it for Watts, who was, well, it wasn't a great shot, to be honest. It was poor. No, it kind of, went, it kind of went under the keeper's body, didn't it? Uh, keeper should have had that all day. Keeper should be gobbling them up, but he didn't, unfortunately. And well... Fortunately enough for us, and what's he slotted home? So we are still waiting. Ocean Electrical for our spot prize because every time <laughs> we get a spot prize to give away, so oh, Craig yeah. Matt 
are listening, you need to donate a fantastic Whopper spot prize so we can give away. It, it could be our league winning spot prize as well. So something significant, please, Ocean Electrical, considering all of the the uh, exposure you're getting off this goggle pox. It was a great light bulb moment choosing Watt for this competition. I think so, yeah. He provided that spark, didn't he, when he yeah. came on? But that was a great one by, by Marshall, wasn't it? It was some pace. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, it's still something that we haven't really seen from him, you know, because he hasn't been getting in very, very, very hard to dislodge Finner as club captain on the right side of the pitch. So it's something that uh, possibly I'm hoping we don't let him slip through the net, you know? Yeah, I saw he was linked back with a move to, to the north, but no, I think he's going he's gonna to be a real player for us. Yeah, that's what we're hoping. Keeping him happy, keeping him training well, you know, it's it's a tough thing to do. Still a young enough guy coming down. I saw from, uh, Dan McDonald was kind of surprised by it, but maybe it's because he, he had really impressed against Waterford, but it was so long ago, wasn't it? Maybe people just sort of forgot about it. It was forever, yeah, it really was. But we're just on a different level to other teams at the moment. I mean, the Bowes game was tight. But if you look at the others in the last month or two, they just yeah, can't handle us. Yeah, knocking the bollocks out of teams. Simple as that. Same, plain and simple. Mm. What's the story with uh, Sligo using Junior as left winger, though? I thought, I looked at that myself and I was thinking he's totally wasted out there. Now, he was diced once or twice. Yeah, he, he, kinda, he got by Grace once or twice. And I think I, I was saying about Grace... Pace-wise, sometimes he struggles slightly with guys with pace, and then he has to kind of make up the difference and um, end up jockeying them out of play. But uh, he got he got a bit of tiny bit of joy out left. But other than that, he, he, this is the guy you want to be playing up front. But Ronan Coughlin's the guy that has been. I mean, he's 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 made a good career for himself at Sligo, and he seems to be there. Aaron Green, you could say, he brings in Devries, he brings in. These guys, these wingers that they have. What's the what's the game? The guy with the wings on his neck. Can't remember his name. Um, Jesse Devers. They're bringing these guys into the game. So uh, I'm not too sure if he'll be dislodged anytime soon. So they spent all their GoFundMe on Junior and they're playing him out of position. Yeah. So performances all round. You can't fault people. Like I mean, who got on the match? Aaron McAniff. McAniff won, but there wasn't really a standout performer on the night, was there? I mean, McAniff had a good game. Jack wasn't on fire, but he got a golden assist. Yeah. But it's I mean, one of those it wasn't an obvious was contender, was there? No, I don't think so. Nothing really stood out for me. I mean, there was a lot of good... There was, like, that's, that's harsh in the players. There was a lot of good performances, but no one kind of really majorly stood out. But I just thought Aaron McAniff was... It, it was deserved because he's been, he's been excellent all season. Once again, we've talked about the transformation of Aaron McAniff from a, what you could say, a, I don't know, a box-to-box eight to an all-round midfielder. Yeah. So, a uh, re- really good transformation from him. Once again, Bradzer works his magic. Do you know who I want to give a bit of love to? Because I've not, we've done, I feel like we've not mentioned him in a while. Joey O'Brien. Save this one for the bad houses now, sport. <laughs> you know, I'm starting to admire the little things, especially with, with no fans in the stadium. Joey is shouting for every tiny advantage he can possibly get. He doesn't want the he doesn't want the opposition to even have the slightest chance of even breaking from a free kick or a throw in. <laughs> he sees the danger straight away and he's shouting at Aaron Green or Berkey. He's like, "Stand over the ball!" 
just every possible little advantage. And then right after our great spell, uh, before half time, so we, we have just been ripping them open for like five, six minutes. Their heads are spinning and they get their first chance in ages to actually get out of their own half. And what does Joey do? He chops down the number seven. It's like not having it. <laughs> and He's then, just got yeah, go the ahead. master of the dark arts. Master of the dark arts. And then 20 minutes to go from the end, uh, he was on the ground and a Sligo player was running to whack a shot from 18 yards and Joey just casually swipes it away. Give me it that. was lovely. I'd say he's like that in the dressing room as well. I heard when the food is getting dished out, he's like, right, right, meatballs, right, 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 right. <laughs> meatballs. He's like, I've done left, Joey, meatballs, right, meatballs. He probably gets Burke or Greener to mark the meatballs. Like, stand over them. <laughs> yeah, stand over <laughs> Stand over the meatballs, Ray. <laughs> oh, you love to uh, see it, though. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's all down to experience and a good attitude. And it's actually very hard to find an attitude like that because it's, it's refreshing. Like, even in the quizzes and stuff like that. It's just, it's a, he's one of those guys that you probably want to be a friend if that doesn't sound too weird. Like, you'd love if Joey popped around to the house for a cup of tea every so often and you'd be <laughs> just thinking, this is fucking great. This is such a cool dude. Like, so definitely fantastic to have. Hopefully, he plays on for another season. Him and Big Al, give us one more season. And I have to mention Ronald Finn. So, yeah. because he scored for the first time in such a long time, I thought, right, we'll, we'll get him for, uh, to do the post-match interview. And I thought I'd be the only one. I thought, like, you know, McAniff won one man the match. Jack Byrne had his call up. But I think the media weren't sure who to pick either because it was no standout performer. So Finner was put forward. So Finner had to go to the East End. And he did about a million interviews. Just, just one after another, after another, after another. Possibly some his own fault a little bit as well because he, he tends to give a lot of his time. And I'm just... Tell me he came to first. No, that's that's the funny part. I was last. So, so he's in the East End after doing a million interviews. I'm on the West End, me and Raf. The place is going dark. We're just standing there. <laughs> Mark Lynch at this stage just abandons us. He says he is going to be pissed when he comes back here. And it's like, I'm out of here. He didn't want to be the one to tell him. So Finner, you just see him sprinting, sprinting <laughs> from the East End. The look in his face, he's like, I'm free. I'm finally free of media duties. And I'm like, putting my hand up cautiously. I'm like, Ronan, get two minutes maybe, please. And you just yeah. see his heart sink. Oh, no, poor, you, were, think you had your voice and you were like, come to the creepy stairwell. <laughs> come to the stairwell. <laughs> and then the rub salt into the wounds the camera just stopped for no reason two questions in so it's like I'm really sorry but this can be stare again but uh, <laughs> he, he was an absolute gent though he didn't mind he he's a true gent he really is so that's pretty much all the performances I mean we're, we're absolutely knocking the stuff in our team so so after Bowles 1-3 1-3 we had played 14 games and our goal difference was plus 31 
Theirs was nine. A remarkable 22 goals. Better than the team in second. So... That, that's stunning. And look and look at the rest of the team's goal differences. Like, even go down to fourth, fifth, sixth. They're either, they're either minus or they're only a couple of positive, you know? And then you're going to have, like, I mean, one of their main goal scorers, Danny Grant, he's going to be in the hoops next year. So, <laughs> I mean, you can, you can take that away from them as well. Um, uh, yeah, but so it is. It really is a, a brilliant, uh, a, a brilliant record. I was expecting him to go to the UK, but very good, isn't he? Yeah. Have you noticed the touch that he takes? He has this. He has this ability to pluck a ball out of the air, and his, his first touch is always superb, and it beats the defender. So you can imagine a ball coming in at a diagonal because balls love their diagonals. He takes his touch, and then the touch beats the defender, and then he's true on goal nearly. So that's that's the one thing. But the thing is, we probably wouldn't be able to play to that style because we don't lump the ball long constantly. So, yeah, no, he, he is excellent. But uh, there was a stage there on on it was it was the Monday before last where <laughs> there was actually talk about point averages and all this because the level five was was being threatened. I know people yeah. were worried that the league was shut down again. You know, the virus cases keep going up, but. Thankfully, nothing came of it, but we, we need to wrap up this league as soon as possible, don't we? Wrap this shit up before they take it off us, before they null and fucking void it, which is very possible. The irony, if it ends up being decided on points averages, after everything you said about Celtic. Oh, my God. Awarded, <laughs> awarded being the main word there. Awarded. Yeah. I'm not even going into this. Because <laughs> I'll be absolutely gutted again. So, yeah, we're going to move on now to our guest. Um, we have the famous uh, Jacko McDonough, prof. So you caught up with him. Okay, so Jacko, welcome to the podcast. Uh, we'll go back to the beginning. Uh, you grew up in Ring's End, I believe. So what clubs were you with at school by level? Well, it's funny. My, my dad was a Shelbourne supporter. And I played um, I played, I played under 15 football for, for Shelbourne. And we had a we had a half decent side, and um, we we he always got beaten in finals. <laughs> but we played against we we, we played against uh, Rovers Utes at the, at that stage, and um, and we, we we beat them in um, in the semi final of a cup. And uh, when it was what you what call it, it was uh, John Giles who who signed me. And it was because um, what's his name? Um, his assistant, uh, Eamon Dunphy, who, 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 as as a matter of fact, he, he, I, I, he, he was he, he liked me as a player, and um, I was very, very happy to. I lived in Donnybrook. I was very, very happy to to play for uh, for a top club in the country. I was, I was, as, as a matter of fact. I was asked to play to play for Shelbourne as a fifteen-year-old. When when I was fifteen, Shelbourne wanted me to to sign a contract, and my dad turned around and said to me, "Well, he spoke to me about it." And my dad turned around and said, well, "My son isn't playing for 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 Shelbourne as a fifteen-year-old," and I think it was probably just to get me on a on a farm. But I, I was, I was, I was, I was very, very lucky because um, when I when I went to to Rovers, there was a lot of friends there. I had 
I knew Harry Kenny. Um, and the, the the day that we won the championship in Milltown, uh, we were playing. I, I was playing against Mick Bourne and and Paddy Joyce, and um, and that was the. I, I remember that day distinctly because we be, we'd been waiting to to win the championship for a long, long time. But just jumping back, you were actually on trial with uh, Manchester United and Arsenal at one stage. Right? I was. Oh yeah. Well, as a matter of fact, I, I went. To, I, I, I went to Bolton, and well, Joe Corcoran sent me to sent me to Manchester United, but I was I, I was I was a bit pissed off, and I said to myself, uh, "Well, I, I'd be better off playing with, with Rovers than 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 doing anything else." And I, I, in in all fairness, I was I, I was well looked after to sign for Rovers, and. Um, it was it, it was the team to play with, and it it that that's the way it is, you know. I mean, like Rovers were uh, were 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 always a, a big club, the biggest club in the country. You mentioned your and I was very, very I was very very happy to play for them. You mentioned your to dad, the extent dad. that I probably go ahead. Well, to to the extent that 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 I. Like I had the intentions of of of, of, of signing for overs, and um, it was it, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. It was, be- but after after saying that, I had been at Bowes, and I, it was it, it was difficult. It was it was it, 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 it was difficult because um, Billy Young, who was a, a very very good manager. Um, he turned around and uh, <laughs> he stopped speaking to me because I had <laughs> I had um, signed for 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 Rovers, but but I saw him I saw him later on in in my career, and he was he was he was very very good in in as a manager, and he was um, he was a particularly good coach, and he he. He he marked my trail. He was it was it was interesting to play at Bowes at that stage, because at that stage there was Kevin Brady at Bowes. There was there was what's his name um, Kevin Brady at, at Bowes. Was it Mick Byrne? Uh, Mick Bourne was at Bowes. That's absolutely Mick Bourne was at Bowes at that stage. Um, Paul Doolan was at Bowes. So yeah. he. He had an eye for 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 good talent, and and that's that's that, that's what I liked about 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 Billy Young. He gave he gave players at a certain age. Like I, I made my I made my debut at um, at seventeen for Bowes, and I'll never forget. I was playing against the I was, I was playing against Waterford. And they had um, they had got this guy in from England. I, I forget his name, but he was a centre forward, and uh, he gave me a, he gave me a rollicking that day, and I'll, I'll never forget it. You know, and that's that's the way things are. You know, but Billy Young was 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 he he was ahead of his time. He was really really ahead of his time. You actually won and the I, uh, you won, you won the Young Player of the Year award, didn't you, at Bowes? I was yeah I, I yeah I, I won the I, I was the first 
winner of the of the young player of the year and as a matter of fact that 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 season um Paul McGrath Paul McGrath won the, the players player of the year and I'm led to believe that he beat me by 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 two votes or something something like that so like Paul McGrath was a was a monster no shame in that yeah yeah there was no 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 shame in that absolutely uh, absolutely he was he was very he was very he gave me lots of support Paul McGrath and uh, he always had a good word to say about me that's that and that's interesting so your time at Milltown, uh, yourself and Harry Kenny were quite the pranksters in the dressing room, I hear. <laughs> uh, Harry, Harry's, Harry's ahead of his time. <laughs> Harry was, uh, Harry, Harry is and always will be a very, very good friend of mine. <laughs> He's very, very funny. Yeah. You, you know Harry, don't you? I do, yeah. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah, <was> good fun. <laughs> I, I was in touch with uh, some of your former teammates. So John Cody said uh, said to ask uh, Jacko about your antics with Harry Kenny in the showers at Mill. <laughs> oh well, listen to me. Harry Harry Kenny had a had a tendency to turn around and piss on my leg every time I had a shower. <laughs> Listen to me. He, he was he was good fun, and um, <laughs> he was a he was a, he was a particularly good player as well. You mentioned the league wins, and, uh, two two winners medals in eighty four and eighty five. So obviously, great memories there. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was. As a matter of fact, uh, I've uh, I've given all my I've given all. I've given all my uh, medals and caps to 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 Mick to Mick Cairn, Slovak. Really? He has them. Yeah, he has them. Yeah, I know the whack well. Yeah. 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 He, well, he has them. He has them. I gave them to him, and uh, uh, I remember. I remember Mick Cairns, and it's it's so emotional and a bit of nostalgia. I remember Mick Cairns when he was on the TV. Keep Rovers at Milltown. There was a, a World Cup on in New Zealand, and next of all, we see, we, we we saw that that flag everywhere. Keep Rovers at Milltown. Yeah. Do you remember that? Do you I've, remember that? I've seen the picture of it. Yeah. 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 Well, it, you know, Mick was was part and parcel of uh, of everything that he's, a, he's a, himself and. Um, all of, all of that gang are, are, are good friends of mine and um, Bobby Gaffey who was his father was a, a big big Rover supporter and um, yeah we were we were very very fortunate well, well I, was, I was I was very very fortunate to to play with uh, a lot of good players and I I remember distinctly that um, it was um, it was the it was the like of the, the likes of of, uh, of Papon and people like that, Liam O'Brien, that made the difference. You know. I was looking at your. Uh, but but. Sorry, I was looking at your goal tallies. In the uh, eight eight goals in eighty three, eighty four, 
for them penalties. 11 goals the following season, 5 of those penalties. So they're good tallies for a centre half. Yeah, well, I, I was a good striker of the ball. Um, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't miss penalties. And um, well, what can I say? Yeah, like you, you, you got to take them. Like I remember distinctly when we when we played in uh, we were playing against UCD, and I think I think Alan Alan O'Neill was was in goal, and um, I I just about I I, I, I the, the the match was in um, in Talca Park. I remember distinctly, and I I I, I got a penalty. And I knew he had been speaking to his brother, who played with me at Bowes, <laughs> Dermot. And it puts you off to, at times, but like I, I scored, I scored a penalty. But it, what I what I had to do for it to go to, in, into the goal was was incredible because it, it hit the post, went across the line, and just about just about went in. But uh. They're, they're happy memories, and um, I think, I think uh, as a matter of fact, I think uh, I think we got beaten in that in that one. Was this the cup final? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that was the cup final. Yeah, that's that's quite a. Well, pain. I, I had I had I had had a lot of like I I remember distinctly that uh, we I played with a with a, a very very young Bohemians team. There was a lot of re- really good players, and um, and there's a lot of senior players. But the thing about it, the thing about it is that we played we played a, a semi final four times. We played a semi final against Dundalk, and I'll never forget those matches. We just about like I remember distinctly that J- Jackie Jemison was was playing at that stage. And he was a, he was a top player, Jackie Jemison. He didn't he didn't like mixing it with anybody, but like he was he was he was Berbatov. And, uh, <laughs> he was such a good player, Jackie Jemison. You cannot imagine. And that night that we played against Dundalk, it was, I think I think it was the last match. It was in Milltown, and we were playing against um, against Dundalk. And we turned around and we went through. Paul Paul Doolan was sent off because he had a problem with Barry Barry what's his name um, Barry Kill. And it was it was it, it, it had it had been a, a phenomenal affair because there were so many matches, and we 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 actually won. And the, thanks to Jackie, we went down to 10, 10 players. Doolan had got sent off and he was important for the team. And I'll never forget that Jackie was impossible to play against that night. He was absolutely brilliant. He just he just gave him the ball and he protected. And that's what he done all night. And we eventually we, we eventually won. We eventually won. We got beaten by Limerick in the in the final. I have to ask you about your three caps as well for Ireland. You made your debut in an 8-0 win over Malta at Day Mountain in 1983. So, yeah. a great honour to get three caps for your country. Well, I'm very, very happy that, that you know, I played at it. I was very, very fortunate. I was, um, like, I'm turning around. I'm, <laughs> I'm talking about 
players like Paul Doolan. Paul Doolan never played for his country, and that's that's a bit of a shame. And I was very very fortunate. And yeah, I was I was very very fortunate. I was I, I it was it was the good times. It was good times, and we went to we went to to play against England. Another twenty-one international, and I was playing with John Anderson at Anfield. We played against we played against an England team with um, lots of lots lots of good players, lots of good players in the team. And um, it's uh, yeah, they're, they're they're it's well behind me at this stage, but like they they stick in my mind. My 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 father my father was there. He was he was at Anfield, and my and my my best friend was there, and that's it's just happy memories. We got beaten. We we got we we got beaten by um by England one one nil that night, which was quite quite good, and um and there was another time when we were, we were playing in uh, we were playing in um in Rome, and we were playing against Mancini. And the other fellow who was playing at Chelsea at that stage, what was it then? Uh, was it Viali? Viali, that's it. Two of them were playing together up uh, uh, up front. And we got, I think we got beaten one 0 by them, and um, that was it. That was it. That was a decent game as well. Like. Uh, I was going to ask about your move to France. Then you you were you were twenty three when you moved to Nîmes. Uh, we'd seen we'd seen Irish footballers move to France around that time. Tony Cascarino had great success. Noel King, Mick McCarthy, Frank Stapleton had short spells. But you 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 spent three years in France. Do you think because you were a technical defender that made it easier to adapt to life there? I think so. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, I think it was. Uh, <laughs> I didn't kick anybody. I uh, I was uh, I was I was the way I was. I, I was a, a football and centre half. I was in football centre half, and that was that was when they didn't exist. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, what about your time in France? And I'm, 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 well, well, my time in France was 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 important. It was it was I had a I had enough at that stage. I had um, I wanted to get away. I, I wanted to play abroad, and and now it's it's just funny that. I'm I'm living in France. I'm living in France now, and uh, I'm, I'm very I'm, I'm very happy to do so. Is it still in the same area of southern France you're living? Well, as a matter of fact, I'm about I'm about fifty kilometers from Nîmes, and it's 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 important. I was it was part and parcel of my 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 career. They actually won yesterday. They 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 went to they went to. Um, they went to Montpellier and they they beat Montpellier, where where I played against Montpellier all those years ago, and I'll I'll never forget the likes of Laurent Blanc who played for Montpellier. He was a, who was a super footballer. Um, was it was a, a time that I played in Martigues, and they had a they had a centre forward they had a centre forward on loan. And he had been to Auxerre, and as we, I think the match was zero zero, 
I finished zero zero, and I said to one of my pals coming off the pitch, I said, "Who is that guy?" And he said, "Oh, he's a he's a top notch footballer." I said, hey, "Well, how top notch is he?" And you know who it was? I think I know. Yeah, it was Eric Cantona, yeah, the king of Manchester. So yeah, he always he always had it. He always had uh, a touch that was incredible. He was a particularly good. He was a, a super a super footballer. He marked. He won, he won a title with Leeds. Then uh, when when you know it signed him, <laughs> they just won title after title after title. <laughs> so we had a. Uh... Alan Campbell, a good friend of yours on the show recently, so he has a question for you, and it goes as follows. Ask Jacko how in the name of God he found my apartment in Santander when he didn't have the address, and he found it by shouting out the window of his car, asking people who didn't understand him where he lived. Oh, well, that's it. That's the way, you, that's the way it was. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep. What what I wouldn't do to to see Campbell. Campbell was 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 a particularly good player, particularly quick, and um, a, lot, a lot of time for for, for Alan. Allen was a yeah. He was <laughs> he's a he's a good pal, a good pal. Like like Anto Wheel and all those guys. We were we were we were good together. Yeah. A uh, gamble actually with McLaughlin. Uh, he 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 got, he, got, he, he, he he went off to Santander and look 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 at he he had a decent career and um, um a lot a lot not more. It's a it's more, I think it's a, it's it's he he done better things than 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 I done and um, but he's. I always had a lot of time for 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 Al. He's a really nice guy. So you were we, just, you were just in the in it, the middle of a Spanish town shouting at people. Ask him, do you know Alan, right. Alan Campbell? And that's he, right. Eventually, you that, found him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I found him. That's how I found him. That's right. Like uh, I, I I'd imagine that some of these people would have under, 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 understood who I was looking for. And when I was looking for, and um, listen to me, that's 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 what happens. But like it was, I I I, I was there. It was uh, it was a really nice place. I was there with with his wife, and I don't think he had ch- children at that at that stage. He has a second question. Uh, if you'd uh, if you'd like to hear it, he says. Yeah. He says, "I would also like his version of how." Martin Dunnerup, a Danish international teammate of mine, set himself on fire on Christmas morning in my living room during the same trip. <laughs> I don't know anything about that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's Martin's, uh, the poor fella. <laughs> well, he, he was hoping for you. you know, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't set him to. to I, I. I didn't. I, I didn't burn any matches, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so you went to uh, you went to Belgium then in the summer of '88 to sign for uh, Wergham and Liam Buckley had played for the same club. Of course. Wergham, yeah. So was that how you ended up there? Because the the Liam Buckley connection, I think he had the same agent, did you? Uh, we had the same agent, absolutely. We had the same agent, yeah, absolutely, yeah. 
And you actually um, you switched to midfield as well, I think, when you were there. Yeah, I, 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 oh, yeah, I listen to me, I, uh, I changed my game. I, um, yeah, yeah, you've got to, you got to, <laughs> you got to change your game somewhere. You know what I mean? But it's, um, it was, it was a decent experience, and it, the Belgians are, are are really nice people. A lot, of, a lot of nice people. Very, very similar to the Irish, and. They like their drink, and listen to me. Um, lots, 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 lots of decent, de- decent players and decent people. Uh, Mick McCarthy mm. wants me to ask you about the Mad Nights after the PFA Awards with him and Mick Megan. Oh, listen to me. They were <laughs> well. They. Well, these people, these people are still there. You know what I mean? They're, well, I'm talking about Mick Cairns, or we're talking about Mick McCarthy, or we're talking about Robbie Gaffney, and we're talking about a lot of people who who are still supporting Rovers, and they are, they keep the club alive. It's certainly not me that's keeping the, 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 the club alive, and and they, they do, they do, they keep it alive in harmony and they're really nice guys. Uh, Bobby Best, mm. who's a Robert's photographer for many years, he he asked, were you yeah. sent off by Paddy Daly while being stretchered off at Milltown? No. No. I think that might have been well, Peter uh, Eccles. Sorry, I think it probably could have been Peter Eccles. Yeah. yeah. I've heard the story before, yeah. But I think, yeah. I think you were sent no, off in, sorry, in a derby though, weren't you? Uh, that could be. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not. I'm not too sure about that. Um, but I, I'd imagine that you're going to get back onto me and tell me, yeah, you probably were sent. Uh, that I, I was sent off. But um, listen to me. Um, I, I had, I had the best, the best time of my life at at Rovers. It was. It was. It was it was terrific because when you go out and you have a team that we had, we were we were capable of beating nearly everyone. Except we got we got we didn't really. Was a bit disappointed that we didn't do anything in Europe. Um, we played against uh, we played against a a team from Reykjavik. We team we t- we played against a team from. From Cryova, University of Cryova, who were came came back up to Milltown and they were just terrific. That's when R- Romanian football was 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 top notch. But we didn't really we didn't really make any 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 form or had any form in um, in, in 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 Europe. It's a it's a shame. It's a, it's a question that I actually. Say to myself on a, on, a, on a regular basis, we didn't really do do shit in Europe, you know what I mean? And uh, but we we done it, we done it for a long, long time, um, for, for for four years running, and uh, it was it was it was it was very very important for the club, and we had a really 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 decent team, a lot, of, a lot of a lot of really good players. On that note, who would you say is the best player you ever played with? Well, the best player I ever played with was 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 Liam Brady. 
Um, I'd imagine the best Rovers player that I'd ever played with was Pat Bourne. Um, we had a, we had a, we had a lot of good players. I think, um, I think Mick Bourne and um, Noel Larkin marked their their time in uh, at, at Milton. And uh, yeah, we we had a particularly good team. A lot of good players. Yeah, and um, it was Dermot. Dermot was. Um, I, I remember distinctly when we went to 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 Linfield, and um, Dermot turned around and uh, <laughs> I think he he kicked that he kicked that somebody he kicked that somebody, and I'm not sure if he if he if he done a nasty injury, but like um, that's the way that's the way Dermot used to play. That's the he would everybody was afraid of Dermot and his. And even if you were on the the, the the Rovers team, you would be afraid of him. <laughs> but he was he was important for 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 us. He was important for us, very important. Just on, because on. I remember it distinctly. I remember it distinctly. Like <sighs> McLaughlin, like it's it's like Noel King. You know what I mean? These 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 guys. You know what I mean? They 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 work so hard and they. They used to, they, they, they used to give, give their heart and soul to the team, and no, no king used to protect Papon immensely, because, because Papon would, would would have got kicked off the park if no king wasn't there. And I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of um, good memories of 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 how important players like that are to teams, you know. I have one last question. It's a bit of a tongue-in-cheek one again. So uh, this fan asks, how much did you spend a week in Peter Marks in the in the nineteen eighties? Well, it's I I I think uh, it wasn't in Peter Marks. It was it was certainly probably in Alias Tom's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's that, that would be more like it. Yeah. Yeah. I. I, I I was very, very fortunate. I was, yeah, I, 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 I used to like my my wardrobe, and I, I still do, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I heard you fancied yourself as you could be in a bit of a boy band back then. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think that, I don't think I was that good. All right. <laughs> that's, that's that's what an ex teammate uh, uh, hinted at me. Now I won't say who it was, but. Disappointed that I I would like to come home. I'd I'd like to come home this year and uh, and stay with my son and watch what watch watch Rovers. I'd like to watch Rovers, but like I don't think I don't think there's a place for me. You know what I mean? And uh, I was about to say was you you, you came home it. you came home a few years ago there for the Milltown 30th anniversary. Was that was that a a, a good evening? Yeah, that was a yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you you just see guys that get grayer and grayer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I, listen to me. I I, I was I, I was recent I, I, a couple of years ago. I was with Mick Bourne and uh, Neville Steedman, and we shared the table, and 
I, 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 Dermot Keeley was at the table, and it, it, it was. He had. I, 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 I had the impression that Dermot had changed, and uh, as a, as a, as a person, as a person, and um, these things passed through our minds. And uh, listen to me, we. If we could only, if we could only turn back time. You cannot believe it. You know what I mean? Like uh, we, 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 our generation uh, marked marked Rover's history, and that's that's the way it will always be. And I'm very, I'm very nostalgic, and uh, I'm very nostalgic because I, I love that club, and I always, always, my parents were there every week. My parents were. Were there? They 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 travelled Ireland, and the amount of parents that we saw at that stage, it was a, a, a big success, and we were very very we had a very very good team, a lot of talent, and guys who could make the difference everywhere, and that that's around the pitch, and that's it's just happy memories. I think we'll leave it there, Jack. I uh, really appreciate you taking time to talk to me. Some great memories there. Well, it's 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 my pleasure. Uh, uh, it's 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 a real pleasure. I hope I hope I, I meet you, and we'll 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 always have a time for to to have a drink in in, in Dublin. I hope. So that was Jacko pissy legs, Jacko. Uh, Harry Kenny pissing all over him. <laughs> Yeah, I can't imagine what goes on in these dressing rooms. Yeah, some some nice stories there from Jacko. Um, we uh, we picked out a couple of, of fans' comments there. We weren't sent to us. I just found them online. But if you want to read them out there, so we have some comments anyway. And we have Philip Fox talking about Jacko McDonough, and he says, "My favorite Rovers player, silky, skillful centre back who could play that had a lovely touch. I remember watching him when he got his first cap for Ireland versus Poland, and he had a great game." Ireland had a million world-class centre-backs back then, though. Then we Jim Tona, the best haircut in LOI history for me. It was the great Jack McDonough, and he was a cool-looking footballer back in the day. So Yeah, yeah I was kind of alluding to it there, wasn't I? I'd say he was one of those who uh, who would look, him, look at himself in the mirror, making sure the quiff was looking well before he went down on the pitch. Oh, the L quiff. Fond of an L quiff myself now. Certainly are. But uh, he spoke about scoring a pound against UCD. I think I assume he was talking about the '84 Cup final defeat, which yeah, was a painful one. Yeah, because Alan Campbell refused to even talk about that game. It's still still raw for some of those players. Oh God, yeah, it was, wasn't it? We didn't get an old uh, bit of French off him. I'm guessing he's quite fluent in the French. An old drop. We weren't invited over for an old drop of wine either. I'm not happy. But he gave he gave me some French when he called me. I was like, like who's this? Just the wrong number or what? <laughs> Just launched into some French. But uh of the team that isn't interesting that of the team that won the league in nineteen eighty five. So McLaughlin came in in nineteen eighty three. So he won the league in eighty three, eighty four, and then eighty four, eighty five. So the team of that second season winning team. Only McDonough and John Cody were at Middletown uh, from the start. So that there's really? an indication of how much change there was. 
Jesus, massive. Two yeah. players. I know. Huge. And then he himself, Jacko, went to, to France at that point. But um, there's a good story, actually. I was listening to an interview he did on, I think it was 98 FM. I thought he might tell the story to me, but he didn't. He said that uh, when McLaughlin signed Dermot Keady in 84, yeah. he said that McLaughlin came up to him in training, tapped him on the shoulder and had a quiet word with him and said, how would you feel about me signing Dermot Keady? Jack was like, it's like, well, well, you're the manager. If you if you want to sign him, go for it. It's like, well, no, well, I'll, I'll only sign him if if you're happy with it because he'd be, he'd be playing centre back alongside you. So, and again, he was like, it's like, no, well, just you make the call. That sounds sounds good to me, yeah. And then apparently he had already signed Keady that morning. Oh, nice. <laughs> he's just pretending he wanted his opinion. But uh, yeah, you saw some of the comments there. He was a bit of a hero at Milldown. Some some big performances. So I think it kind of surprised some people that he didn't go to England. But he went to this second division uh, French team, a relatively small club in southern France. But they did have some notable players on the side. Like there was a Danish legend, Kristen Nygaard, who ended up taking over as manager. And then Eric Cantona joined them a few years later, so they did have some star players there. So, so Jacko McDonough did he didn't play with? Obviously, he didn't play with Cantona. No, but he played against Cantona, as you said. And uh, he was he was never called up by Ireland during his time on the continent. So I don't know if I don't know if that hurt his international chances, or as as Philip said, there we had a lot of centre backs at the time. So maybe that's why he was. Strict as just three caps, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he retired at only 29, which is quite young. Wasn't he a teacher as well? Was he a teacher? He didn't, didn't mention I that to me, but uh, very, very possibly could have been a teacher. Yeah, he he also used to coach the Beachwood on the 14s team. And guess, guess who one of his former pupils was? Beachwood, for, oh god, I don't know, tell me, Kieran Stafford. Carol Stafford, former Rovers, 21s, and now ruined football Rovers fan. <laughs> one of our one of our fifties bogies. There you go. So uh yeah, that was Jacko. So great stuff for him. And um we're gonna move on to the talking point of the week. Jeez Christ. So no competitive uh Erling Cap for Jack. We lost on penalties to Slovakia in the semi-final playoff and he was only out for a player to not get a game um, this oh god we could probably do a whole show on this um, he wasn't using the Nations League game as well and we had a depleted midfield there's so much so many talking points over this I actually it's probably what else do we need to say about it that hasn't been said uh, I'm not going into too much detail about this but uh, no I mean you can imagine, you can guess what our opinion. I mean, the game the game against Slovakia was crying out for Jack. He would have been more effective than Jeff Hendrick. I think we can all agree on that because safely say, I don't. I just I actually don't rate Jeff Hendrick just because he's playing for Newcastle. And as someone was a Ray who said it, if Jack was playing for Plymouth, he'd have been on that pitch, wouldn't he? Yeah, it's embarrassing. 
if he's in, if he's playing by Accrington Stanley, you know what I mean? He's in there purely because of this magical area playing, as Ray Whelan says. Um, I think more, no one's really entitled to a cap, do you know what I mean? And maybe we're looking at it through Rovers tinted glasses at times, and he was the only player not to get a game, the only out for your player. But I think even from a neutral perspective, it was like the neutral could even see anyone that's seen Jack play in the League of Ireland that it, the game was screaming out from him that little bit of creativity. And I think it all, you could say Kenny has a chip on his shoulder about Rovers. And you could say that, I mean, I, I don't think he's that unprofessional to not play Jack purely because he's with Rovers. He wouldn't have called him up in the first place if that was the case. But I think he was terrified of playing him in an important game like the Slovakia one and then falling flat in his arse, which he did anyway. But I don't think he wanted to have the added humiliation as he could probably see it as, as playing a League of Ireland player to try and get them in to through a, a, a playoff. So that's that's my take on it. I really don't know what's going on in his mind, but uh, I wasn't surprised that he didn't use him. I mean, it was it was Kenny's third game in charge, and it was a playoff to get to the final to then qualify for the Euros. But then I suppose just. Just the fact that he was the only outfield player not used in the following game. The that Nations was the League. big kick in the nuts for me now. Yeah, and there was like there was footage of him training on his own, the only outfield player not used. So it did kind of stand out in that sense. But some of the some of the stuff online still was cringy though. It was over the top. I know we all want totally Jack to play, but there's too much entitlement going on. Oh man, it really was cringy, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean we wanted to play, but he will, he will be a fixture in this Iron team eventually. It's a shame it hasn't started now while he's in a robber shirt, but it's going to happen. He's too good not to be in the team. Yeah, I think so. I think Waterford Whispers had a really funny article about him as well. God, I can't remember what it was, but there was a lot of funny things coming out about it and uh, other fans being delighted about us potentially well but people thought we were being trolled by Stephen Kenny. Yeah. So But uh, maybe we shouldn't be too hard on Jeff Hendrick there because This is Jeff Hendrick and you're listening to Tales from the East Stand. I'm surprised he actually got that right. <laughs> Did you see the pass he played, right? In the middle of the park, nobody around him and he just screams the ball out but uh by the halfway line. It absolutely oh, yeah. no reason for it whatsoever yeah this, don't know what to say but this I mean I, I actually thought it was a good performance against Slovakia I thought it was I thought it was very promising and it's not Kenny's fault that Hurahan misses an open goal from six yards you know, if that goes in you know it's a different conversation but he oh. still can't convince me otherwise that that Jack would not have been more effective than most of those midfield players because he would have been. Yeah, 100% agree with you because he's right now he's a confidence player. So he has confidence, he's got the ability, he's on top of the world as regards to his football and ability. And well, he's just totally disregarded. And that's what really pissed me off as well because I don't want his league form to be knocked and his confidence to be knocked because of a manager that pretty much... Mm didn't cover himself in glory with the treatment of Jack. Well, we should add that uh, it was players who weren't in the original squad 
who were coming off the bench ahead of him. That was also kind of, it was like, hey, hang on a second there. You had your Dundalk Golden Boys there though, didn't you? <laughs> well, again, I don't, I don't want to sound too bitter by saying those things. So I'm not going to make those accusations, but it is kind of strange the way it happened. But it actually was I'll a cracking stat though. It was a crack of stat. I think it was the Wales game, wasn't it? First time since 1975 that our starting 11 were all born on this island. Yep, all of the Rebels are, were delighted with that one. Also pretty weird, McCarthy doing commentary on Moza. Was a Sky? Our former <laughs> manager commenting. Yeah. And he's saying, like, why aren't, we, why aren't we going long and all this? It's, it's, it's the equivalent of Nutsy being on commenting our games and saying, why is Ronan Finn being used out wide? I think he used the word pressure a few times. And he was like, yeah, put him on a bit of pressure, you know. Stretched him. Stretched him as a favourite of mine. Stretched him. <laughs> Clip, it. Clip it into the channels. Yeah, Just run them channels. Off. He really did uh, sound a little bit bitter. And it sounded like he was knocking the team as well. You know what I mean? He's like, oh, you have to get, get into them from the start. Don't let them get out. He's like, fuck off, Mick. You fucking Yorkshire punts. It was McCarthy's dismal campaign that we found ourselves in this last chance saloon. I mean, look, yeah. I went back and looked at those results. I remember people going wild celebrating that away draw against Denmark. But look at the other results. Like, it was pitiful. But I will say, once again, to finish off the club versus country debate, is that Rovers will 100% come before. Ireland and always will always have been and this has completely split the fan base through the middle with our, our WhatsApp group certainly it was an interesting yeah. couple of days where everybody had a different opinion on everything so what really was an interesting couple of days to talk about how people feel about the club and country but for me it's Rovers all day um, a lot of people harbour some ill will towards Stephen Kenny you could say because he, they say he set the club back 10 years and he really didn't. Uh, he really didn't do anything for us, which is pretty much true. So it's it is. It's definitely. It's probably podcast worthy alone to have its own edition. Uh, I still want him to do well, but without having any particular affection towards the national team. If you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. But we've been like that for years. Like we never really had a a soft spot. I kind of left when Kerr left, didn't it? We kind of we, we followed the Kerr. Uh, administration religiously really yeah well Kerr was a league of our man too so I wanted him to do well but yeah I hope this I hope this league of Ireland's stuff doesn't drag on too long like should he should he not play does he need to play at a higher level I hate that discussion because he's just good enough full stop yeah it's very frustrating uh, but I think we'll leave the international stuff behind us now, Prof. We're going to move on to some better international news with Gambazunu playing in the Ireland under 21s, 2 0 defeat in Italy. And with Liam Scales on the bench, Neil Ferrugia and Dean Williams were in the squad as well. So hopefully they travelled out to a COVID riddled Pisa, as far as I know, with Italy had to draft in their 20s for this 21s game. So um, hopefully nobody comes back with any sort of virus. It's got it's got to the point where someone should have made the call to just suspend the international calendar because I saw, saw uh, Ronaldo even caught the coronavirus there. So I mean, yeah, 
just it's been a mad week. It's not it's not uh, it's not doing us any favours, is it? No. But once again the decision was made to extend the league season. So uh this is gonna be on the what do we say, the twenty eighth of October was it one of the rescheduled games and then we have the thirteenth um our FAI Cup quarter final toy at Bally Buffet has been moved from November thirteenth to Sunday. November 1st so uh, this is news to me prof unfortunately I'm not very happy with this tell me it's not a weekday it's a Sunday is it well you just said there yourself it's a Sunday yeah so I got Sunday, pushed forward okay. nearly I'm happy enough for that there. then that's not too bad because we can if, if it comes down to it we can travel which I'm being, <laughs> being optimistic I'm being optimistic here just, just are you still bus. trying to get a bus to this game <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get a bus to any game Jesus, Jesus cracking some, up here. There's some chance there. We need an away day. <laughs> we need a fucking away day. And winning the cup to Finn Harp sounds brilliant. So it's a Sunday. That's that's not too bad. Five o'clock kickoff, I'm gonna guess. In the Abo Abo's not even open and I'm planning on going to it. <laughs> in the Abo by nine, gone by one, in oh, I'm not even gonna talk about it. Probably probably two thousand cases a day by then. Yeah. As long as so AC Milan bro, uh, could have been one of our, could have been one of us. They signed the best player at Bodo Glimpt, and the team that's the that's the team they met in the next round after us for five million quid. So a twenty-year-old striker slash winger, Jens Pitterhauge, who scored against them. So he made his debut recently as well for them. So uh, fair play to the guy. Could have been Jack, couldn't it? Uh, could have been Jack. Could have been our five million. I know. Yeah. Would you take five million for Jack? It's actually a mad question. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? Considering all, all things considered, let's say his contract's running now. Uh, five million offered on the table. I think I think they probably would. Considering we got two million in from the Dermot Desmond day, you probably would have to take it, wouldn't you? If we found a, a near natural replacement for him and we were still motoring along, well then, yeah. Then we give it a bash. Yeah. So we've Aaron McAniff as well. He was talking about the Milan game in the media and he said, McAniff said, I actually spoke to Zlatan after the game for about two minutes, got a picture with him outside and everybody that stopped to, stopped to talk to him, when he was coming out, he took the time to spend a bit of time with everybody. But he was on the pitch, he speaks in the third person and stuff. It's quite funny when you're playing against that. He gave a few of the boys some stick. He said, it's all in the game. As soon as the game was finished, it was just normal chat. He definitely did speak in the third person. When he scored, one of the boys said, Zlatan is the best. So <laughs> Zlatan turned around and said that. And he said, that kind of stuff goes on in every game of football. McAniff also highlighted the difference in the classy approach of the Rossideri post-match compared to Ilves in the previous round. So, um, Yeah, Greener yeah. said the same thing about uh, Ilves. Why did Ilves give them dogs abuse, weren't they? Ilves were slagging them. It's calling us the small team. Yeah, how'd that turn out? Yeah, how'd that turn out? Yeah, fucking mutated Dundalk looking vodka. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, officially the worst crest ever. Oh, it's something else. But uh, just to know, on our, we had a rant on one of the recent shows about not supporting other League of Ireland teams in Europe because why would you? But uh, a Galway fan replied to us and said, that it's easier for supporters of country teams with no direct rivalries to support Irish clubs in European competition. And he said, I would have always supported Shamrock Rovers 
in their European efforts, usually focusing in on a former Galway United player. So I can kind of see that. I can as well, but put it this way, would you wish any ill will on Galway if they were in Europe? I don't think I would. I would be rooting for them. As things stand, things stand now because they're not a rival. Yeah, I would be like, ah, Galway in Europe, okay, good luck. But they like to, like pretty much anybody else in the league, bar Harps, I want to fail miserably to crash and burn. I, I genuinely don't understand this conversation. I mean... Man United don't want Liverpool to do well and vice versa. So why is it expected here? Just because our coefficient is low so we all need to root each other on. No, it's all down to a lack of respect and a lack of appreciation and they actually don't give a fuck. This is mostly bar stoolers and people who don't watch the league who talk about this. Um, I don't think they understand real rivalry and real hatred and that fans who travel up and down the country every week and have bad experiences with clubs and, and... Enjoy the rivalry, enjoy the hatred, revel in it, soak it up. That's the way it should be. That's what football rivalry and supporting your team is all about. Hating the fuckers across me in a different stand. Fuck them. We need that in writing. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, yeah, that's it. We hate everybody, so that's it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uncle Bill's row with the FAI about the Viva Stadium. Uncle Bill. Oh, man. <laughs> Uncle Bill, well, I've been down talking to the Aviva Stadium. Did you read this thing, Gary? <laughs> this this went on forever. I was scrolling down my phone. I was halfway through. I was like, is this chap, this chap still going? They'd some fucking neck, hadn't they, to say, oh, you can't bring Arsenal to tell it. Fuck you. Fucking oh, dumb the quote, dog. The quote was, do you really want to host Arsenal in Ireland in Tata Stadium and broadcast it to the world? <laughs> Yes, why not? It's nearly a 10,000-seater stadium and it's in a great location and it's a top-class stadium at this stage compared to all the rest of the shitholes in the fucking League of Ireland. Uncle Bill can go fuck off. Actually, do you know what? I hope he sticks around and keeps Dundalk as his little play thing and he gets fed up and just throws it out of the pram. Well, if it's good uh, enough for, for Real Madrid, Juventus, Spurs and AC Milan, I'm pretty sure it's good enough for Arsenal. Exactly, yeah. Hopefully uh, a nice 10-0 scoreline anyway. Windsor Park have said no to them, so I don't know where that leaves them now. Delighted. Hopefully with a massive bill that Uncle Bill has to pay. It's all a moot so, point though anyway, isn't it? Because <clears throat> th- th- it's a fake qualification. It's not real because it was a reduced real, format. Reduced format in the qualifiers. Only half a qualifying campaign. So put an asterisk on it. Yeah, asterisk on that Europa League forever and ever. And it's a half Europa League it's the Narnia League. <laughs> the Narnia League stages. I think they're playing against fucking, I don't know, where somewhere made up Mordor FC. But I think the Molde game was supposed to be in Tala. I don't know if that's the case or not. I, 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 to be honest, I've lost track of where these games have been hosted. It's been up and down so much. But there was a video of them screwing off the Shamrock Rovers sign above the tunnel the last time they used Tata in a European match. And then someone nice mentioned that. that they actually covered our trophies in the wall with black bags in 2016. And that, that is minnowism, minnowism at its finest. Yeah, it's so petty, isn't it? Isn't it just so petty? I love it. I love the pettiness. Um, just a quick note on... I mean, it's been talked to death how, how fortunate they were 
the run they got, uh, through the, the the champions path. I mean, couldn't have been any luckier. But yeah, we difference is we have to win our first Champions League tie next season to be guaranteed that same Europa League back door. Whereas Dundalk didn't need to win it, so we have to win it. Otherwise, we're going to go straight into the new Europa Conference. Right, so um, this is something else that we have to touch on in in uh, maybe a week or two down the line. It's um, it's a huge prospect because now you've got, what, is it three competitions now? Europa Conference is the tour competition? Yeah. And the money is all fantastic in it. So what you said, like you said, the new Champions League format. So if you lose your fourth Champions League game, where do you go? Just so listeners can... Yeah, you go into the, the Europa Conference. So you don't get that. Europa League path where you're just drawn against champions of you know those sort of level that Dundalk got with you know Andorra and Faroe Islands as it turned out it could have been Georgia but we yeah. wouldn't get that path if we didn't win that first Champions League tie true yeah very true maybe I mean see the likes of Dundalk again maybe they just should have let their goaltender Gary Rogers take the corner punts <laughs> and the PKs and the PKs, the PKs. Oh, my God. Brilliant. Just let him be the manager. Yes, yeah, so it's definitely uh, the route to Europe has been totally changed, but it's all for the better. And I think becoming the champions this time around is a lot more um, lucrative and there's a lot more money to be earned in Europe. Plus, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really looking forward to it. Hopefully all things will be back to normal and we'll be back on the airplanes and trains, planes and automobiles will be going to Europe so uh, we'll move on to the Dundalk and Pats game called off last week because of a positive test result in the Pats squad Schmendin Schmark proved uh, <laughs> he was positive for a uh, co- he was positive he had COVID and that ruled him out so we actually play uh, we play Pats two days after their 14 day quarantine ends Oh, I saw that, yeah. I saw that as well. And what well, it's just it's rampaging through the, the football dressing rooms now at the minute, isn't it? Yeah, it's kind of kind of spreading a bit now, unfortunately. You're, you're kind of surprised it didn't happen earlier. Because like how could it not affect the league eventually? I'm surprised really, but now it's it is, it's starting to uh it's starting to creep in, unfortunately. So hopefully we can get this league done and dusted before the madness. Takes I, love off how, uh, I love how Dundalk rested players for the Harps game. And so first of all, that backfired because they only drew nil-nil at Oriel Park. And it was for <laughs> this Pats game, which then was then postponed. So it was all for nothing. Love so it. the lesson was there. Get the points in the bag. Get them in the bag. And boom, then you're flying after that. That's the way it should be. Well, they're lucky that so, uh, Waterford have collapsed now. So Dundalk probably will qualify for Europe pretty easily because Waterford just hands oh. them on a plate now, really. Ah, uh, man, imagine it'd be brilliant if they didn't, though. And you people out there saying they don't care about the league campaign, why wouldn't you want to look to the future and care about playing in Europe and earning financially? It doesn't make sense to me. So it's a cop-out for Dundalk fans who are talking about that. Yeah. But we Cork now, Prof, as well. Cork are an absolute fucking shambles. Jesus Christ. Zombie club are just dying a death again and it won't be long until they're relegated in my opinion 
Yeah, Neil Fenn left there. Who was it? Was Daryl O'Connor? Is that his name? He just randomly left the club left with yeah, he, he, four he games charge. to go. I think what happened, I heard that what happened in the dressing room is he turned around and he was like, all right, if any of you can't start what it be, you can fuck off. <laughs> and like, <laughs> six of them walked out. Six of them were like, Grant, nice one. Sound like, cool. You sound like Billy Butcher and the boys. You know, you don't watch that <laughs> series, but it's, uh, that's what it sounds like. That was my best attempt at a Neil Finn accent. Uh, yeah, so that's it. They're an absolute shambles, and people are walking out, and they're like, "Can you look? Look what's happened to Rovers throughout the years. We've had good boards, management, people pumping money into the club. Everybody has had the right idea and know how to run the club, not into the ground." Cork have lived and died and lived and died. Wasn't there your man of Game of Thrones who kept fucking dying? John Snow. He was no, he's a red priest. Remember, he was um he was very good. He was friends with the red priest. Oh no, you mean no, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he just oh, kept fucking Cork dying FC, and coming back. Cork City. Yeah, he's Cork FC, so that's what you're you're looking at. How can they just keep let it happening? Do you get me? Like, how can they keep letting this happen? Obviously, the thing now where they uh, they they look like they might be bought out by for one euro. Yeah, I saw that. That was the president, the president, the president, the owner, wasn't it? But the, like, what I'm thinking is, it's maybe a couple of fans with the good intentions at heart, and they just think them. And when they get involved, <clears throat> and they see how much is involved in all this, and they just think, you know what? Over reach here, over depth here. I think that's what it is. So uh, we'll move on from that anyway. And we Brad's are featured in the Arsenal program, an Arsenal alumni piece, and they spoke about how he dominated the the scene at that age, and then it just kind of went arse ways for him, really. I think he was on the bench for a Champions League game once. Oh, I didn't know that. That's a nice stat. Prof with the Brad's are playing day stats. Well, I've Arsenal, never, so. I've never. Someone said to me, I've never been able to find what game it was. I've often been curious if anyone out there knows, but. Uh, yeah, that was Brad's with Don, Don Cowan. There's a book coming out. He actually wants to come back playing again. <laughs> He's actually looking for a team. Do you know that? This is Don Cowan of SPL fame. Yeah, so... Oh, is it? Yeah. Are we, are we not making a Rohan Ricketts joke here? <laughs> are we not? Oh, are we or are we not? I don't know. I heard you're a racist now, father. <laughs> oh yeah. But anyways, I forgot about that. <laughs> Did I forget? You were the one who used to highlight it. Yeah, that's true. I think he is. He is bringing one out, and he's coming back. Rohan Ricketts is actually trying to look for a club as some sort of uh, fucking TikTok experiment or whatever. This the whole conversation is borderline racist. <laughs> yeah, it very was. We apologise to anyone uh, out there. But it's not, we are paraphrasing from a joke we heard. It was not our comments. <laughs> <clears throat> so underage results and um, Shamrock Rovers 2, they ended a six-game losing run with a 2-0 win away to Wexford on the same night. The first team were playing Sligo. Senior debuts for goalkeeper Alex Moody and midfielder Jay Doyle. Cushlon, born and bred, if I'm correct. If not, he's still a tall lad and a good Tifty's bogey as well. That Now, in saying that he was on our team for the five side, that's all that was. That we are still the champs, 
and uh, good old Jay Doyle making his, his debut. So uh, big shout out to Jay and his damn mop. So um, we had Brandon Cavanagh on the score sheet yet again, three minutes into the game with Dylan Duffy scoring soon afterwards. An absolute screamer. Two absolute screamers. So two fantastic yeah. goals in that game. Both of these goals were crackers. Just bent into the corner from outside the box. I'd like the Duffy one more, to be honest. I just yeah, I did, I did too, yeah. I had power as well, didn't it? Power and coral. Oh, that was a beaut. Absolutely brilliant. So great stuff. And a good prospect once again. Um, but unfortunately, they lost 2-0 to the first division leaders, Bray and Talat and Zardy. Just gone. Uh, Shawzy, I don't think Shawzy started, did he? I didn't know, but I've been keeping an eye on his goal, Ty, because I'm, I'm waiting for him to get up to 20 goals since you made that bet. So I think he's on eight there now. This year, yeah, Pat Tutty, you better keep that fifty nice and warm, nice and crisp. You <laughs> can earn it for me before you give it to me. Yeah, I didn't really notice any Christmas trees running around Tala Stadium. So, <laughs> yeah, Bray were complaining play. that they couldn't stream the game as well. Yeah, well, uh, it's called uh, I think the old swings and roundabouts saying comes into play here. Yeah, Ball's favorite word, karma. Karma, yeah. With the 19s who are beaten 4-1 by Pats in um, what you could say, I think Pats, they did nothing but cheat during this game. Uh, the ref was staying, taking money off of 19s coaches beforehand. Uh, it's there, there was all sorts of skullduggery going on, so this, this result has been null and voided, so we'll just move on. No, but in all fairness, there was a, there was a game, 19s, they were beaten 4-1 by Pats in the road zone October 4th so this is the first game of the group stages uh, I, I didn't hear too much about it but apparently we were we were at a bit of a loss with regards to players there was only four players training on the Friday um, that's the problem when you have the 17s and the 19s the 15s and all the players are playing above a level you could be and then they're going to the fourth team as well some of them so you could be at a disadvantage as regards to player selection and games like this and this was the case but uh, I think Pats were worth the win anyway so you haven't got any, but no pronunciations from you yet, Prof. I'm delighted here. We've seven names won three in the Cork at the weekend, and the thirteens were beaten one 0 at UCD a couple of weeks ago. And the yeah. women's seven names two two one in that long, and a big clash this weekend. Pmount, Pmount, you know you come to play in the Rosedale, so Pmount will be a massive girls team. Yeah, that that seventeens men's results, uh, the three 0 in Cork. That was a Darren McGuinness hat trick. Oh yes. Get it into you. And we have Evan Smithers. Excellent. <laughs> he has gone to Inchicore Athletic. And these seem to be the money men at the minute because they've signed Thomas Hyland from Crumlin. They've signed Craig Walsh from Crumlin. They signed Steve Best, who played for Bowes. So I think there might be a few quid in Inchicore Athletic. And they will be a force to be reckoned with in Leinster Senior League this year, I imagine. Do you think, so, do you think Smithers will find some of uh, Carl Kern's grannies out there? Ah uh, well, there's a few, isn't there? It's in Shakar, born and bred. You know, he's only in <laughs> Temple Logan Royal. And so, uh, yeah, that is it, and we're going to get the stats off the prof. There is a mathematician, a different kind of mathematician, and a statistician. Stats out. Here's with the stats, prof. So we're on a 21 game unbeaten run domestically. We have to say domestically now. So this equals our run under Pat Fennan from 2014 to 2015. Uh, our third best run in the Tata era was 19. We did that in 2009. And guess, guess how that ended? 
Tell me how it ended, Prof. A Stephen Bradley missed Penno against Barding Fingal. I think I remember this. Did it go over the bar? Or you hit the bar? Uh, I think I wasn't at the game, but it went over. I think it went over the bar, yeah. And it was the last minute of extra time in the cup quarter final. So that was a 90-game beating run. So, yeah. 21. So if we do 22, that would be our best run domestically since a run of 31 from 1956 to 1957. Fucking hell. Yep. Jesus. 50 years. 50, 60 years. Crazy stuff. And I know this is a bit early to be bringing this up, but some people have been wondering who, what teams have gone unbeaten in a season. Oh, Invincibles go on. And the answer is we are the only Irish club to ever do it. We did it twice oh. in the 1920s. I think I've said this in the podcast before. They were both 18 game seasons, ironically. You did say it before, yeah. Yeah, so it's been nearly 100 years since it happened. The dark. But they all count. Dundalk lost only once in 2015. That was a 33-game season. Did you see the interview with Brazzer actually in the mirror? He was saying the league has to be a 36-game season. <clears throat> Six-game season next year. Yeah, I'd be Can, all We can't that. have this reduced format again. Yeah, I didn't see that now, but I totally agree. 36 is a lovely, lovely number. Very, very nice number. Four. Now, I, some people don't like playing teams four times each. But uh, I, I think 36 is a fair number and it's it, it spreads it out well. I was also asked, when was the last time we scored four goals or more in three consecutive games? Oh, this is a tough one. Because we had, uh, what was it, 6-1 against Waterford, 4-0 against Sligo, uh, 4-0 against Dundalk in between that. I'll say the answer the was the answer was 2002. Teams. We had a run of Ooh. four. People will probably remember that because we we trashed Langford twice in the space of a few days. Won them with a Tony Cousins hat trick. Lovely. And it's the first time in the league since 1967. Prof is only baiting the stats out of him. And I, I dish that this stat out every time we play Derry. We've gone from seven games without a win against Derry. To nine unbeaten against them. Jeez, yeah, I remember that. Kenny Shields, we could not put the ball past him. That's right. So, is that it, Prophet? Is that all your stats? That's the stats. We've been blessed with the stats. So, this week we have... it's uh, The Prophet is going to start with his start 11 and predictions. Oh, God. About Derry and Harps. So, you're up for us, Prof. Well, we're not we're not quite sure who's missing. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. Pico, I don't know who the fuck is here? Like who? Pico Lopez. Uh, we're not sure if he even travelled to Cape Verde because he didn't feature. But let's let's go with he didn't travel because he's still struggling. We know yeah. Graham Burke is suspended. Uh, Neil Freuja picked up an injury to twenty ones. Jeez, we're ravaged. Let's not let's not even go near Jack Byrne. Let's just leave him out of the team. No, he's so, starting eleven. Uh, I'm delighted you're doing it this. The one yeah. <laughs> you started. How would you even approach this? It's uh, bedlam. Gonna go with Manus. Uh, I'm gonna start Marshall actually because I want to see him start. Oh, 
even though Finner scored last week and we, we all love Manola. We got Marshall Lafferty, who was in form before he got injured, so no um, Cabo. Harish on Cabo possibly does does Cabo have a full game in his legs, yeah. Probably does. Mm, but does Lafferty. But uh I'm gonna go with Lafferty. And at the back we're gonna go Grace Scales and Joey O'Brien. Uh in the middle we've got McIniff, Watts, uh Gary O'Neill, uh then we got the usual Berkey and Aaron Green. Am I missing a player? Well Berkey's suspended, isn't he? No, five or one, yeah. Oh sorry, yeah, Berkey's suspended. Um interesting to see who you bring in here actually. Who are we gonna go here? Ooh, I mean normally I would team. say Brandon Cavanagh, but he's just not he's not in the picture at all. No, he's not at all one bit. Maybe Dean Dino up front. And then Dino up front or maybe Greener, more of a a wider role. I don't know. Mm, but then again, you could give maybe you could give Dino a little free roll in behind Greener and let him play off him. Because Greener does does what he does best and it's no point switching him up. I think keep him there and then I don't know, maybe move I thought it was a tough one, isn't it? This is your 11, not mine. Yeah. Uh, one thing I'll say, our bench will be scary for this match. Yes. I think, I think me and you might be on it. <laughs> I'll bring the boots just in case. Throw me but, up uh, there. Throw me up. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go Dino because I, I honestly don't know what else to do there. So, yeah. I can't think of a different team, to be honest. Now, I think that's, that's bang on the money because I, I, I think I'm going to put Dino in and even maybe play two up front and obviously Greener can drop deep and then he's going to be putting so you could say Greener will be in the bulky role no not as creative or as free reign a little bit more rigid a little bit more military and he'll get his chance to kind of give Dino the chance so that's what yeah we're going to go with the same team that and then for a oh I might be I might be controversial here I'm going to say two-all draw with Derry. Wow. Well, I have to follow that up now. What's the score? What's the Bowles result then? The Bowles result is going to be a draw as well. Oh, so you're you're saying the champagne champagne's going to be put on ice? Uh, yeah, I'm saying champagne's going to be put on ice purely because... Why not? <laughs> Might as well give something to talk about. Say When's the last time you predicted a draw? You, you said you'd even beat I, Milan. I know, I don't think I ever did. I think I'm only doing it to annoy people at this stage. <laughs> but I don't, I, I, ugh, yeah, I'll go with a two-all draw and the uh, champagne on ice. I'm saying uh, the dark balls draw and I'm saying a 2-1 win for us. And to lift the trophy, well, the trophy won't be lifted. I think we'd be lifted at Pats the week after, wouldn't it? And I'm going to go over what's, what's again to be on the score sheet. I'm going to give him a brace. Give him a brace and more presence from Ocean Electrical. So the game is going to be on telly. Thank be to God. And um, we won't have to work off a stream, which the stream is great, but it's just, it's easier. It's handier on RTE, as uh, as we say. So well, once again, usually, we'll move on to us. They usually pop up, don't they, when a team can potentially win the league? 
Yeah. I remember, I remember a few years ago, they kept following Cork around for like five or six weeks, waiting for them to win. And they the, couldn't win it. In the league. It was so remember funny. Remember how far they were ahead and then they, Sean McGuire got injured and they fucked it up. Yeah. So that is nearly it. We have a 50% sale on in the club at the minute. So get yourself down there. There's all sorts. There's women's leggings, prof. You can get your pair. I know you like to dress in women's clothes on the weekend. I picked them up on Saturday. Get yourself a pair of... Uh, it's 50% sale online. Check it out. Brilliant. Really is fantastic stuff. So check it out. And uh, what else have we got? No junior hoop news, really. Every Everything that's got virtual mascots at the minute, everything else is just dead. There's no aspects of live football to be enjoyed so um yeah we're just we're just on the verge of winning our 18th league title and our first title in nine years so no biggie nothing really to talk about you know it's just kind of average day yeah but we will uh oh we want to wish brendan murray as well uh all the best in his future endeavors he decided to step down from the position as ceo of the club brendan has been nothing but helpful to us in our time as podcasters and he has given us a platform to broadcast ourselves and help us out in every single way. He's introduced us to some some good uh, sponsors and just he's been a fantastic guy. He really has. So we want to thank him for everything he's done for us and uh, wish him all the best in the future. Yeah, I want to say the same to Brandon. I know he doesn't listen. He's a fair weather listener, but... <laughs> He'll but, probably uh, listen yeah. to this one. All the best, Brandon, yeah. So that is pretty much it for this week. We hope to get back to the land of the living and get an actual podcast in instead of Zooming. But uh, we will wish everyone all the best and stay safe. And hopefully we'll be lifting the trophy this Saturday. So that's it. And keep on hoping. See ya.